If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. That's my email address. As always, thank you to those who send me mails. I appreciate particularly where you are mailing me from. It's lovely to know that there are listeners uh, all over the world and viewers and viewers since we are streaming uh, live video. I don't know where all the all the live video streams are, but you can find all the links on TNT's website. I know it's on, I think, X, Rumble, YouTube, all the usual culprits. Uh, and uh, if you are in the live chat, please say hi. I do have the live chat open in front of me. I'm in a particularly good mood because uh, I, I'm, I've got friends, very, very close friends, in fact, down from, uh, they're visiting from Canada. They, they will, I suppose you could call them expats. They left South Africa over a decade ago and uh, they're currently back in South Africa for a little bit. And I've spent pretty much the entire day in the sunshine with them. So my guest in a moment is going to tell me why I'm in such a good mood. With that in mind, Alex, Joel, and I will be with you for the next hour. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO if it's not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Zaid Dahaj, it is a great pleasure to have you joining me in the trenches again. Thank you, brother. I'm very excited for, uh, for an awesome conversation on all things sunlight and uh, whatever else we dive into. Yes, I, I particularly enjoyed chatting to you um, a while back about the importance of uh, sunshine. I, I do however see that, that you're talking to me and I look behind you and I see darkness. <laughs> it must be really early still. Yeah, it's, it's around 6 a.m. here. Um, I actually had the fireplace on for this episode, but I had to change the camera, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, fire. Oh, yes. Okay, so why? Well, I mean, firelight is just the most circadian friendly light. So, um, you know, within the spectrum of various types of light, you have sunlight. I, I mean, you can basically classify it as like, let's say firelight all the way to artificial isolated blue light. Um, firelight is going to give you the most return um, in regards to just maintaining circadian rhythm. It contains a lot of red and near infrared light wavelengths. And I think we all in inherently and intuitively know what happens when we sit in front of a fireplace or a bonfire. We get tired, we feel relaxed. I've even seen some evidence that it lowers blood pressure. So uh, I'm a big fan of firelight in in many forms, candles, bonfire, fireplace, so on. So why then am I in such a good mood? It seems obvious that uh, that the sun is is better for your mood, but but why? Well, I mean, vitamin D plays a huge role in terms of um, immunity and also um, the the impact on mood. Um, I think one of the most underappreciated facts about sunlight is that um, it's, you know, when when light hits, when full spectrum sunlight hits your eye, the I've mentioned this in the past, the eye is the gateway, and that's actually where you begin the process of neurotransmitter production in a specific part of the brain. So if we're talking about specific peptides that are cleaved off of something called the POMC gene, pro-opiomelanocortin, one of those peptides is called beta-endorphin. It's an opioid peptide. So essentially, every time you go out and go out into the sun, you're getting a hit of natural opioid endorphins, which then allows you to become happier and more filled, and you have all these positive feelings. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I 
it's the year 2024 and it's weird that we're having this conversation but yes the thing right we all remember what happened a few years ago we were all told to stay indoors uh for for endless amounts of time uh and we were told to fear people so the idea of staying indoors is obviously then correlated to i guess becoming more ill feeling depressed all these sorts of things right absolutely i mean think about what you're what type of light you're exposing yourself to if you just stay indoors all day it's going to be isolated artificial blue light and through the scientific mm. literature we have a lot of evidence to show that i mean it damages the brain it damages the eyes it damages the skin and especially the um you know mood in all of its facets whether it comes to serotonin production dopamine norepinephrine i mean it, it just does a number on our biology which is why i recommend that people go outside instead of spending all of their time inside like i recently just came mm. across a stat that i think m americans spend like 7% of their time outside it's like 96 we have like 95 96% of our time mostly inside whether in the office in the car in the house um so I, I mean we can see how big the problem is just from that perspective all right well let's go back to basics um i mean let's, let's go back to absolute basics humans excuse me existed for most of known history without artificial light which means that when the sun goes down you're left with the option of either a firelight or just being in the dark and i guess going to bed does does what we sorry let me let me rephrase that are we supposed to be awake then when the sun is down I think we're supposed to be awake. I mean, in general, I, I usually recommend going to bed earlier just because of of that circadian rhythm in general. Mm. Um, but you know, I think as soon as as the sun goes down, I think it's better to go to bed earlier. But then again, like if if it's just a couple hours after sunset, obviously I see no problem there because we have lives to attend to. we we have things to do. So, um, you know, it's kind of this fine line between, understanding how powerful the circadian rhythm is and then not being neurotic about it so just as long as you're not staying up to like 10 30 all the way up to like 2 3 in the morning i think that's the most important thing with this so going back to our our younger years when 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 people spoke about being a night owl it's actually a bad thing yeah no such thing exists from a circadian perspective so whenever somebody says that they're a night owl i mean you could just assume that they like to stay up late but from a biological perspective, um, we, we are diurnal creatures, meaning we're meant to be awake during the day and to sleep during the night. And that's just a, a, a basic fact of circadian biology. But you can actually test that. Uh, if you go away for a weekend, and I mean going away, getting out of the city, uh, where, let's say you go camping, you naturally tend to wake up earlier and you actually feel better. Yeah. Yeah, and this this is one of the reasons why I suggest camping, getting out into nature. It's because um, just by the mere fact of you being in that environment, your your circadian rhythm is automatically going to be more aligned. And people will know that, notice this almost immediately after their first night of sleep. Um, you have the sunshine raining down from above. Um, you have the the outdoor uh, aura, so to speak, or the environment. You have a lot of wildlife. You have trees, and so there are are a lot of cues to tell you that. Um, you know, this is a circadian friendly environment, but most importantly, you don't have a lot of artificial light, which you, you'd usually find in the city and in more suburban areas. Actually, yes, an interesting thought though. You were talking a, a moment ago about, uh, you know, going to bed when it's dark, but that's because you're indoors. If you're outside, 
there's actually a lot of light if you are, let's say, camping. I mean, the moon and the stars actually give you enough light to see what's going on. Yeah, which funny, funny enough that you bring that up. I think firelight and moonlight are, are two of the most circadian friendly um, forms of light now that you mention it, because, I mean, we, we've all been under a, a full mm. moon. The level of like yeah. illumination is is quite palpable. So it's not something where um, there are some areas where it's total darkness, depends on the moon's phase, so on and so forth. But mm. yeah, that, that's an important part of the light spectrum that uh, not not a lot of people think about. Yeah, and also I've found over the years from camping, for example, falling asleep to natural light like the moon or fire is very easy. And that's quite different to having your lights in your home uh, on when you are, are trying to go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, I like to run this experiment with people. So if you compare having a fireplace on and then noticing how your eyes and your brain and your just overall mood is, then you mm. compare having some bright artificial light. Let's say you're in a hospital at night. Like those are two different quality experiences. And I think the the first one with the firelight is a is a quality of experience that is healthier, while the hospital is one that is unhealthier, just because it, it, it all has to do with the full light spectrum. So if you can have something, if you can have a light source that is closer to the full light spectrum as much as possible, then you're going to set your biology up in a way that is, is very beneficial as opposed to just having one isolated form of light. Just chat to me a little bit about what you mean when you're talking about circadian, circadian rhythm. Yeah, so the circadian rhythm is a 24-hour body clock. I beg your circadian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, it's a it's a 24-hour cycle that um, our bodies are are designed to revolve around. So um, timing is a big is a big part of the discussion here, especially in relation to light. Um, but this circadian uh, mechanism is mainly controlled by um, your suprachiasmatic nucleus, your SCN in the brain. Um, I think the hypothalamus specifically. And, and that's essentially the master clock within circadian biology. And then that master clock actually controls a lot of the peripheral clocks, which are linked to your to all of your organs. Um, so light has, has a big, big role to play in that. And most importantly, like I said, timing is everything, which brings us to the point of, of a concept called a Zeitgeber. A Zeitgeber is an external circadian cue that allows you to either sync up in the best way with your circadian rhythm or not. So light is the most important one. Um, food, exercise, temperature. Um, these are a few Zeitgebers that actually tell your body where it is in relation to to space and time. Mm, and of course, that plays into, uh, let's say you go to bed and you've got your cell phone and it's got a little blue light shining and then there's an air conditioner with that little light shining. And then you've got all these little, these little LED lights and, and artificial lights that are all over the place. And this is all very bad in the long run, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It disrupts your circadian rhythm. Um, it, it definitely has an impact on a lot of the things that people experience in regards to symptoms. I mean, low energy, um, poor mood, low testosterone, especially that's a huge epidemic all, all across the world, really. Um, so, you know, people have this idea that light doesn't matter, but I come at this with the perspective that light is the most fundamental thing that matters. So I'm flipping that worldview on its head. Yeah, but it could be counter argued that, well, we're living in, in the 21st century now, uh, we, we can counter all these negative effects with pharmaceuticals, Zaid. <laughs> well, um, you know, considering the complexity of the human body, I think that's a, that's a very slippery slope. Uh, the, my problem with centralized medicine is that 
they think they understand the body in a comprehensive way. But when you take a look at a lot of like pharmaceutical medications, of course, there's nuance here, but a lot of these medications create some very serious side effects because they don't work in harmony with the body. They, they fundamentally yeah. work against it because you're trying to tap into systems that, um, that are interlinked with everything else because the body is one. Um, so I think that's a very interesting point. And, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, we can see plenty of examples. You have Oxycontin from, um, from, uh, the, the Sackler family. You have plenty of examples down the road that, that can show you this, this type of scenario. Yeah. And also, I mean, I mean, I was obviously being facetious, but I mean, it, it actually really is simple, isn't it? If you, if you have more natural light, you eat better, um, sleep seven or eight hours. We'll talk about that in a moment. Just do all the things that, you know, our great grandparents did. Uh, it seems to be a no-brainer that this actually is a better route to well-being. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, when you say no-brainer, I, I do think a lot of it is pretty simple. Um, but at the end of the day, there, there's a lot of nuance involved when it comes to things like um, avoid artificial light at night, uh, sunbathing, um, especially with the topic of, and I'm sure we'll cover it, sunglasses, contact lenses, even LASIK yeah. surgery. Um, so there, there's a lot packaged into that, But but you're right. Um, well, you mentioned sunglasses and uh, by extension glass. Uh, I want to dive into that after the break, but just briefly, if you're sitting, let's say you're sitting uh, at your table and the sun's coming through the glass, that's not the same thing as sitting outside, right? No, not at all. And um, like I mentioned to you previously, this is something that few people know about, but uh, mm. talking about the full light spectrum, the full light spectrum hitting your skin is one thing. That's amazing. But the full light spectrum going through most conventional glass is problematic because it will change or artificially manipulate the full light spectrum in harmful ways. So for example, um, it will block all of the UVB, which produces vitamin D3 on your skin. It'll block a lot, substantial amount of the UVA, which actually stimulates nitric oxide in the skin. Nitric oxide is a vasodilator, meaning it opens up and relaxes the blood vessels hence improving cardiovascular, the cardiovascular system and overall health. It'll block 30 to 60% of the red and infrared light from the sun, which through the, the study of photobiomodulation is extremely powerful for overall bio, uh, human health. Um, and then the, the biggest problem here is that it will actually concentrate the blue light wavelengths. And this is a huge problem because it essentially just renders somebody blue light toxic. The same way as somebody being in an office or in a hospital with only isolated blue. Um, and so that has a real impact on biology and it, it can actually contribute to um, the damaging of the skin and then eventually skin cancer if done enough. Because mm. in nature, you always have red balanced with blue. You never have either one isolated. So that's, a, that's an important point to consider. Let's, uh, let's dive into that a bit more after the break. But for now, Zaid, I'll be back with you Momentarily, my name is Jim. This is TNT. TNT's Steve Malzberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers, what, what was was the duty of the president to do, and then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted. The example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean, 
this opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. Thank you! Thank you! To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. It's time to switch on today's News Talk Radio. Very entertaining. Yeah. TNT. Zaid, um, one of the th- things that often comes up when we talk about um, sunshine is where you are located in the world. I often hear people saying, oh, it's easy for you to speak, Jim. You're in South Africa, you have a lot of sun. And that's true. Um, I think where Alex is, they get a lot of sun there in Australia, also lots of sun in the, you know, that part of the world. But what about people like in Finland or Denmark or Iceland? Like what happens there? Like how, do they, how do they attack this particular talking point? Well, this is a great question. So I, I think a lot of the solutions are rooted in ancient wisdom and mother nature. So if you take a look at what a lot of the, I mean, the, the Finnish people, um, the Swedes, um, the Nordic countries in general have ways of, of going about, um, you know, avoiding the, the lack of sol- solar yield because they utilize things like um, geothermal pools, which actually provide infrared light for them. Um, so, so that's something that they're getting essentially in replacement of the sun. Um, they use a lot of things like infrared saunas. Um, they're they're typically on volcanic ground, so you know the the magnetic flux to come off of the ground is is much more powerful in that sense, and it's actually beneficial to human biology and the mitochondria and and all these other biological mechanisms. But um, you, they they also utilize the cold, and the cold is a very important part of this discussion because. Um, it allows you to burn body fat. It allows you to maintain overall um, homeostasis of the body. It improves mitochondria. Your mitochondria are, are actually carno heat engines, meaning they become more efficient the hotter they run. So, um, you know, they, they have a lot of things that they can use at their disposal. Yeah, but let's say they go for four months or five months without sun. Uh, I've heard, I don't know how true this is. I suspect it is true, but they'll have vitamin D included in a lot of... Um, you know, consumables that they eat or whatever. Uh, how does vitamin D as a supplement compare to, to the sun? Yeah, so I'm not a proponent of vitamin D supplements. I think it's um, it's the hubris of humanity to to assume that vitamin D just in, in a pill is the same thing as sunlight exposure. Um, but what's interesting, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, is that the Nordic countries eat a lot of seafood. They eat a lot of DHA mm. and, and EPA, and that has a very um big role to play in the whole vitamin d discussion as well so yeah in regards to supplements i think whatever you whatever your body produces endogenously i think it's not a wise idea to take exogenously because um the human body is so unfathomably complex that 
with systems thinking, you're inevitably going to have some backlash effect that that yeah. comes down the aisle. Okay, so Zaid, what you're telling me is that <laughs> because they eat a lot of seafood, if you happen to be a Danish vegan, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't be a Danish vegan, not at all. <laughs> um, but I mean, actually, on that, uh, you're also a proponent of of uh, a fairly low carbohydrate diet, aren't you? Or, or at least more meat. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think human beings are omnivores. I think that's what we evolved to to follow mm. in terms of a diet uh, plan, so to speak. Um, you know, people get so caught up within the camps of veganism, carnivore, um, OMAD. I'm approaching this this nutrition game from a more personalized and genetic perspective and and really going back to our ancestral roots in terms of understanding, like, what did we actually consume for the majority of our evolutionary history? meat um i mean it depends on on your location as well but generally i like to follow a seasonal diet ranging around nutrient dense food options i think that's the the wisest choice here michelle who's listening from florida uh, is, is asking can you discuss sun gazing yeah so sun gazing is a very interesting topic um it's a very misunderstood one so sun gazing can only be done at sunrise and sunset, and you only have about 45 minutes to an hour um, when the sun is right at the horizon where you can actually sun gaze. So essentially look straight at the sun. Now, of course, I don't recommend this midday or any time outside of sunrise and sunset because you will damage your eyes. I think all of us intuitively know that you can't look up at midday, you know, the, the sun at midday. Um, but the benefits of sun gazing are incredible. I mean, we can talk about the spiritual perspective, the religious perspective, but from a biological perspective, um, when sunrise or sunset is present, you have a lot of red and near infrared light. Most of the, the, the full light spectrum is actually focused on the red light spectrum during that time. So through something called the Rayleigh scattering phenomenon with how light interacts with the atmosphere, um, you're getting just in, an incredible rejuvenation in regards to that red light spectrum. So we could talk about eye regeneration, um, neurotransmitter production, circadian rhythm benefits. I mean, it touches absolutely everything. Yeah, well, th listen, there are a lot of uh, meta conversations happening right here, and I don't know where to start. So let me just go straight to the, the most obvious one. Uh, is looking into the sun, or at least, sorry, let me rephrase it, is looking into the sunshine, generally speaking, without glasses, sunglasses, contact lenses, is that a good thing? Yes, so just being outside, by the mere nature of there being light out, you're getting that that sunlight peripherally, but if we're talking about midday exposure, just looking directly at the sun, that's where it's different and that's where it's harmful. But in general, I'm not a big proponent of sunglasses, contacts, any um, anything that artificially manipulates the full light spectrum, like we mentioned with glass, the same concept is going to apply and it's going to have a real impact on your biology, short, medium, long-term. So getting the sunshine to come directly into your eyes, generally speaking, is a good idea. I'll give you an example. Um, there was a study done, I think 2020, 2021, where um, they showed that violet light from the sun actually stopped myopia in its tracks. So violet light from the sun activates uh, a gene called the EGR1 gene. And it, it completely stops any progression of myopia whatsoever, whatsoever. So if you combine that with red and near infrared light, which we know actually improve color contrast vision and, and the mitochondria within the eye, 
then you can start to really discuss eye regeneration in depth. And, and that's one of my, my more um, passionate subjects, I guess, because eye regeneration is something that centralized medicine largely do doesn't think is possible. Yeah, so what, you, what you're suggesting here is the principle of, of putting a filter between you and the sun is actually a bad idea. So contacts, glasses are the same thing as sitting behind a, a window. Yeah, yeah, and sunscreen too. Not a lot of people think about sunscreen, but it's it's doing the same thing in regards to artificially manipulating the light. It blocks UVA and UVB, which you want. Um, but like I said, it concentrates that blue and it also impacts the red light spectrum in, in harmful ways. So if you get into skin cancer, all these other discussions, that's gonna be a huge part of it. Uh, there's a question here from, from, from Jacqueline. Uh, can you please ask Zadie's thoughts on perineum sunning, AKA <laughs> butthole sunning? <laughs> listen, listen. I mean, guys, like, People don't have to be crazy with this. I, I don't sun my my butthole. Um, you know, I am I am actually a proponent of getting nude in the sun. I think that that is important because exposing a lot of your body, having skin in the game, is is a very important factor with vitamin D three production and avoiding skin cancer. Um, but, skin in the game. <laughs> you guys don't need to have oh, your ass. Oh, the, the puns, the puns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry, I mean, you, you don't have to take it that far. You don't have to take it that far. Okay, but then how important is is getting your entire body in the sun? Uh, uh, so, for example, if I go out for a couple of hours every single day into the garden, I'm, I'm in my shorts and my t-shirt, for example, uh, is that sufficient or or, or must I be, be naked? It's, it's going to give you some benefit, but keep in mind that clothing blocks a lot of the UVA and UVB. So you're not getting those mm -hmm. benefits to begin with the nitric oxide, the vitamin D3 production. Um, you'll get some benefit, like I mentioned, but ideally you want as much of your skin exposed um, because it, what's funny is that actually a lot of the melanoma cases that you'll hear about from centralized medicine, a lot of them take place in areas where um, skin is not exposed to the sun. So this should make you question the, the entire philosophy of sunlight causing uh, melanoma specifically, and, and we can dive into that further if you'd like. Sure, but just quickly, just while we're on that. Uh, so in other words, are you saying that 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 sunshine on your skin is localized? I mean, if I'm getting it on my arm, does that does do those benefits not spread throughout my body? Yeah, so with red and near infrared light specifically, the red light spectrum, um, we, we have evidence to show that it, it'll actually diffuse in the body. So from that perspective with those wavelengths, it will, it'll, you, let's say you'll focus it on your, your hand or your arm, it will go to other parts of the body. But with vitamin D3 production, um, you, you need to have a lot of your skin in the game, especially if, um, if you live in a, a lower solar yield, yield place, because you're just not getting as much of, of that UV because the UV index is lower. But ideally, sunbathing in general, like if you look back in the 1940s, 1950s, look at how people sunbathed. That's generally how you want to approach it. How much sun is too much? <laughs> so um, th there is no general answer for this. Um, it purely depends on somebody's experience with the sun. Um, this is where I refer to something called the solar callus. So um, the, the best way I can relate this to people is that if you go into the gym and you try to, you know, if you're a newbie, so to speak, you don't go to the deadlift rack or the squat rack and try to lift let's say 200 plus pounds 
being a, a beginner in the gym. You have to progressively build your tolerance to that that type of stressor. And um, it falls in perfectly with the idea of progressive overload. Like a lot of fitness yeah. enthusiast trainers use progressive overload to, to get stronger. Um, I, I'm proposing that there's progressive overload of the skin with sunlight exposure. So usually what I recommend is a lot of early morning sunbathing, um, anywhere from sunrise to about 9 or 10 a.m., depending on your location. And then once you have that in place, then you can progressively build your midday um, sunbathing in order to build melanin, which which is a huge part of the solar callus. But does this principle apply to to all people? I mean, even you and I have got different skin tones. What about like, let's say black people? I mean, they got dark skin and then you've got <laughs> shame. God bless them, gingers. <laughs> yeah, so it does apply to all people of all skin types. Um, there's some nuance there. So darker skin people like you or I, um, we need a lot more time in the sun to produce as much vitamin D3 as, as a lighter skin person. So so lighter skin people generally need to spend less time in the sun. But again, I've um, you know, I've worked with people one-on-one, -on -one, people from redheads all the way to um people who are who are extremely dark. So th this applies to everybody because it's just human biology. Um, the, the most important thing is that we, we do want to build our melanin up. And what I find nefarious is that uh, organizations like the Skin Cancer Organization in the U.S. will tell you that there's no such thing as a safe tan. But that's ridiculous because all, all a tan is is the buildup of melanin. And we know that melanin is found all throughout nature. I mean, you look at the reds, yellows, pinks, blacks, browns of nature. That, that is melanin in different forms. So, so tanning is generally healthy. Uh, burning, of course, is your body saying, okay, I've had too much now. Yeah, tanning is healthy. Um, I don't want people to burn. There are some advocates of burning from what I've seen, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. But um, I think what they're pointing out too is that relative to you not spending any time in the sun, like compare no time in the sun to having a few burns here and there, I do think that's gonna be the better alternative. Um, because sun avoidance is is just such a such a, a you know destructive thing on the body. But um, in general, I think so long as you focus on that early AM sun sunbathing, and then you progressively build up midday, then you avoid burns entirely. Because um, that early morning time is special. It it actually produces a uh, a skin protein known as filigrin, which hydrates and protects the skin, and then um, makes you better or or more resilient to higher UVA and UVB conditions during midday. But let's say you you are in a job that requires you to be outside a lot. Let's say, I don't know, you're on an oil rig or whatever, okay? Uh, what what do you do? Do you, do you must you find clothing? Uh, is shade a good sunscreen? Yeah, so in line with the early AM sunlight exposure, um, progressively building up melanin, I think shade is a really good uh, form of quote unquote sunscreen when you, you've had too much sun. And then clothing, I think, is another one. So there are ways that people can avoid burning altogether. Um, they just have to understand that using sunscreen and putting on sunglasses and all these other things, it, it actually contributes to burns, especially sunglasses. So, yeah, it's important. What about lying on the beach? This seems to me a somewhat unnatural uh, behavior. I, I mean, I don't think humans are meant to go lie on the sand. Well, I mean, you can make an argument for it depending on somebody's um, ancestral roots. I mean, maybe some people, um, maybe some people are not used to lying in the sand, 
but other people's other people are like if you're on the equator then i would assume that you're mm. meant to get more sunlight exposure but um yeah it just just depends on location there um lots of lots of comments and questions here um I, i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna read the follow-up to the butthole one <laughs> yeah yeah no way <laughs> um but what are your views on sunbeds uh, so sunbeds are a slippery slope. I think uh, if you take a look at how they're made, they usually focus um, they they focus exclusively on UVA and UVB. So like I said, if you're somebody who is lighter skinned, you have no experience with the sun, you have no melanin, and because you're under artificial light all day, you actually have melanin dysfunction, then that that's um that can be harmful very quickly. Um, what I usually suggest if someone is going to use a sunbed is that they get an extraordinarily uh, extraordinary amount of red light. So again, with the early AM midday, you want to balance, uh, you want to get a lot of red in order to prime your skin so that you are protected from that UVA and UVB. Yeah, don't you want know, to just quickly explain to me what do you mean by full light spectrum? What does that mean? Sure, so the full light spectrum, um, we can focus on the, the UV spectrum. So you have UVA, UVB, and UVC. Um, those, it, it, in and of themselves have a, a benefit, like I mentioned, you have the red light spectrum. So um, red, near infrared, far infrared. I mean, the I think the, uh, the nanometer, uh, this is how we measure light wavelengths, but the nanometer length from the sun goes from anywhere between 250 nanometers all the way to 3000. So you have a pretty wide range. Um, and then you get into violet light, yellow light, green light. Um, and of course, all of these things are mixed together into one because it's just naturally packaged that way. But each of these light wavelengths has a benefit to human biology. It's just about having them packaged together. But are there particular lights within that spectrum that are more harmful than others? Yes, you could say that. Um, from the technical perspective, UVA and UVB are more quote unquote damaging to the skin. But what people don't consider is the concept of hormesis. The entire reason why exercise is so powerful for people is because you're actually breaking down and destroying muscle tissue. But the, on the other end of that, that spectrum, you have sleep, recovery, in order to build yourself up back stronger. And, and this is just the same thing that happens within the skin as well. It's, it, it's all a reference in regards to whether you have atrophic, weak or dysfunctional skin, or strong and healthy skin. So if you if you needed to have lights in your home at night, let's say you're getting up at two in the morning to go get a glass of water or whatever, right? What would you recommend the best artificial light to have in your house? Hmm. Um, I am a big fan of lights, specific light bulbs that are purely made to be within the red light spectrum. Um, ones that are low EMF, um, electromagnetic frequency, ones that have no flicker whatsoever because flicker is extremely problematic not only for the skin but also for the eyes especially um either that i, I like to go with those or like i have here a good pair of, of blue light blockers that are dark lensed um they could either be dark orange dark red the clear ones don't do anything so don't try to get the clear ones um but yeah generally i like to to prescribe that type of stuff and then also another thing is actually covering up the skin with a with you know a decent amount of clothing because your skin has non-visual photoreceptors, which are just light-sensing proteins. So melanopsin being the most um, uh, the most powerful one here, which is actually a blue light sensor. So not only do your do your eyes sense time through light, your skin also senses uh, senses time through light. 
Wait, wait, wait. So are you saying that if you wake up at two in the morning to go to the kitchen, it's generally better to wear clothes as opposed to say walking naked to the kitchen? Yes. Yes. Especially if you are just, you know, your everyday person who doesn't know anything about light in general, um, because a lot of that artificial light that you're going to be under will have some sort of backfire effect in terms of your circadian biology and circadian rhythm. Jeez, that's very interesting. All right, Zaid, don't go anywhere. I'll be back with you momentarily. My name is Jerome. This is TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Oh, no. Could the squad soon be a thing of the past? Well, based on the hot water that Democrat representatives Cori Bush from Missouri and Ilhan Omar, her brother's wife from Minnesota, are in, all signs point to yes. Outcome likely. What am I talking about? Well, according to Representative Byron Donalds of Florida, Cori Bush has diverted campaign funds into some questionable security expenses. And Omar was filmed in Somalia saying she's Somalian first and Muslim second. Didn't seem to be a mention of the United States or her oath of office to the Constitution in there. The sooner we're well shot of these people, the better. They're clearly here based on intersectionality, not intellect, and nothing will become them so much as they're leaving. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. One in four Australian women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Staying is dangerous, but leaving can mean homelessness for them and their children. With your generosity, the Salvos can provide crisis services and ongoing support, helping women find a way out of violence and a way back into a safe and stable life. Help us leave no one in need. Please donate to the Red Shield Appeal today. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Zaid, so many comments and questions in the live chat. Let me just quickly ask you a question. A hospital is traditionally supposed to be where you go to get healthier to get better i am guessing that based on this conversation a hospital is actually quite the opposite well i mean this is the most ironic part of the whole centralized medicine discussion is that we go to hospitals in order to heal but if you look at how a hospital is set up i mean it's it's not unlike a prison in my perspective because um of course you have the artificial light that's going on 24 7 so there's no your, your circadian rhythm is completely disrupted. I've talked to, I have doctors who are close friends who talk about how patients who are 70, 80 years old come into the hospital within a day or two, they're delirious because of that circadian dysfunction. Um, and then you have things like non-native electromagnetic frequencies, which have been proven through the literature to be very harmful to, to human biology. Um, and then in general, I mean, if you look at the food that they serve, it's absolute garbage. I mean, you have yeah. processed beans, you have sugar, you have vegetable oils. So from every perspective, I mean, I don't want to demonize centralized medicine. I think it's great for acute situations and acute issues. But with chronic disease, I mean, you're you're in for a world whirlwind, man. Uh, so someone was asking, I think it was Catherine, um, about wearing sunglasses while driving in the car. Uh, now, <laughs> I'm guessing the principle is, is precisely the same. Well, it is the same for the most part, but again, um, I mentioned this in the past, I'm not a fan of glare. I think glare is damaging to the eye. I think we all intuitively know that because we have like this reflexive, like, um, you know, uh, aversion to glare. So if, if there is a situation where you're driving on the road, like for example, if the sun is right at you, 
or rising and it's right at you and that light's hitting you, then um, obviously I think it's an exception to wearing sunglasses because your safety is more important. So you don't want to crash your car. Yeah, um, I, I, I think I said this to you a few weeks ago when I chatted to you last. Um, my wife and I were in the desert a few months ago and um, because of all the sand, I, for the most part, didn't wear sunglasses. But at certain times of the day, there was just way too much glare bouncing off the sand. And so then I put sunglasses on. Yeah, that, that's exactly the strategy that I want people to use, um, especially when it comes to people who are snowboarding, people who are on the sand like you were, um, if you're on the water too. Now, wear sunglasses for those times that have a lot of glare, but otherwise, take them off. You don't need, need them. And yes, something interesting that I have started <laughs> doing and thinking about, well, doing a lot more since I last chatted to you. When I drive in my car and it's sunny, I actually roll the windows down uh, because of that that glass layer that's between me and the sun. Yeah, an another very important um, concept. If you have windows anywhere, like in an office, in your home, in the car, make sure that they're open. Even just cracked open a little bit actually makes a huge difference because um, light works at the quantum level. Light can act both as a particle and a wave, meaning it's able to scatter within your, your indoor environment. So even just opening the window up a little bit changes the full light spectrum in a way that closely matches what you have on the outside of your of your environment. So another huge point that people don't consider. So in your house, if you are able to open the windows in a way that lets the sun shine in, do that as often as possible. As often as possible. I mean, even if it's cold, I think it's it's better because you'll also get the benefits of cold thermogenesis um, in, in one way or another. Um, but yes, it's it's very important to have that full light spectrum unadulterated um at all times are there any someone's asking about the safety of light bulbs and that made me wonder a little bit about exactly that um are there light bulbs that are generally safer than others like for example comparing your old-fashioned light bulbs that you screw in uh, versus say led etc yeah so led is going to be um any you know any form of light bulb that's just going to isolate blue the blue light wavelength is going to be extremely harmful that's going to be the worst end of the spectrum. And then I think the best end of the spectrum you have, I mean, candles are not light bulbs, obviously, but it's a, it's a great option. Um, you have the red, um, red light spectrum bulbs that I mentioned, those are a great option. Incandescence are a wonderful option, um, especially because you're getting more uh, near infrared light too. But um, I mean, the United States has just recently banned incandescent bulbs for, <laughs> for energy saving purposes. Um, and I think that's uh, that's highly destructive. So in general, those are the recommendations that I would give around that. Okay, so we've covered a fair amount of ground and I see there are still loads of, of questions and I can't get through all of them, but let's just quickly chat about skin cancer. Yeah, so skin cancer, I mean, the, uh, the, the big, I mean, wh when we talk about sunlight, the, the first thing to pop in most people's heads is skin cancer, but we have yeah. to consider that um, there are some really important points, points here. If you look through the literature, you'll actually find that the people who have the highest rates of skin cancer actually have the lowest amount of vitamin D3 circulating within their body. So they're practicing sun avoidance. They're doing everything that these mainstream conglomerates are telling them to do. But at the end of the day, they're, they're coming down with more melanoma. There was a study done in Sweden. It was a, a long-term longitudinal study that showed that the people who had the most sun exposure did actually have a little bit higher rates of melanoma. But here's the important point, their, their risk for all-cause mortality was dramatically low to the point where 
they, they said that sun avoidance altogether was on the same magnitude for your risk of dying as smoking consistently. So um, th sure. these are important things we have to consider in the literature. And another important, important point here is that if you have atrophic skin, weakened dysfunctional skin because you avoid the sun and don't build up melanin through midday sunbathing, um, then you are automatically going to be under artificial light. And artificial light damages the melanocytes, it damages the mitochondria, it damages your skin in general. And so that it combined with the low, chronically low vitamin D3 is what's going to set you up for a high risk of skin cancer. It seems to me, Zaid, that <laughs> everything the establishment tells us uh, is generally upside down. In other words, fear the sun, but it, it's, the, it's the exact opposite, isn't it? I'll, I'll ask a question to the audience. Does it make sense to fear the very thing that is responsible for all of life on this planet? No, we intuitively understand that the answer is no. So I think there's a lot more nuance to the discussion. And um, I mean, if you take a look at the literature, you look at the biological mechanisms involved where circadian creatures in general, our mitochondria use red and near infrared light to produce energy. I think um, it's quite clear that we've. this is just another thing that we've been lied to among the long list of things that we've been lied to. No, for sure. So in other words, stop being scared of the sun, get outside as often as possible and enjoy it. Yeah, and maintain the full light spectrum. Make sure that you, you are wise about it because burning is not good. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you focus on early AM sun, get midday sun, you'll be totally fine and, and in way better health. Yeah, and again, as I you know opened the show with, uh, sun also is directly correlated to being in a better mood. Yeah, so um, you know, there's a lot of research there. Like I said, the way light interacts with your your non-visual photoreceptors in the eye that leads to neurotransmitter production. Um, I think um, one of my rabbit holes that I've been going down lately is heliotherapy, and it's very interesting that in the late 1800s, early 1900s, centralized medicine used sun therapy, which is just another term yes. for heliotherapy, to yeah. actually cure things like tuberculosis and other ailments. In other words. A hospital should actually be completely outside. It should either be completely outside, or the patient should be the patients should be sunbathing consistently, or at the very least, you should have an open air concept to uh, hospitals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the nineteen eighteen era, uh, with the Spanish flu um, uh, period, I've seen photographs of hundreds and hundreds of people in, in hospital beds put outside because obviously they knew. That, that sunshine is good for you. Yeah, and, and the UV spectrum in general too, UVB is, is antibacterial. So it kills bacteria and it's, um, you know, right on the spot. Vitamin D3 is a huge immunomodulator, meaning it, it, it's responsible for a lot of the immune benefits that you see. It, it strengthens the immune system. So um, there's a lot to this, but in general, sunbathing, especially from the, the perspective of the past, is extremely powerful. We've covered a lot of ground in this conversation. Um, but if, if we go into this final lap now, um, and you wanted the audience to, 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 to leave the conversation with some really good takeaways, what would those be? Uh, I would make it very simple. Um, there's this adage that I've come across brighter days and darker nights. So you want to make sure that you make the daytime as bright as possible with natural light. Other, in, in other terms, going outside. 
Um, and then when it comes to sunset, once sunset comes around, you want to be very strict in regards to blocking artificial light. So like I mentioned, use the, the blue light blockers that are dark lensed, um, use the red bulbs that are purely in the red light spectrum, use firelight, um, cover up most of your skin to protect your skin for, because of those non-visual photoreceptors. And uh, in general, if you follow that prescription, uh, I mean, there's everything from type 2 diabetes to heart disease to poor mood to low energy to low testosterone. Everything across the board will be improved as a result of you taking a circadian-friendly approach. So if you've got a home gym, put that bench press outside, baby. Put that bench press outside. It's, I mean, working out under artificial light is the greatest way to destroy yourself because it actually causes hypoxia of the cell. And it destroys your mitochondria, so you're uh, you're leaving yourself, uh, uh, you know, open to a lot of risk there. Yeah, and again, what you're saying, <laughs> I can't stress this enough, but it's so obvious. Um, people have become so blinded and confused by the overload of, as you call it, centralized medical information. Um, I mean, the COVID era is a great example of 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 what not to do. Oh my God. I mean, you know, I've, I've had rants on this, but you talk about, uh, lockdowns. I mean, yeah. just from lockdowns alone, the implications to society in a negative way is, is astounding. You talk about wearing masks with environmental pollutants like microplastics. You're talking about uh, getting experimental gene therapies that have been fast tracked through the FDA, even though there's no long-term or even medium term scientific data on the safety of those. Um, you have, I mean, the the, pro the sheer propaganda too. Like I remember that time quite clearly and the amount of propaganda that was thrown at people, people being called cra uh, grandma killers just because they're not getting uh, jabbed, you know? I mean, from every angle, it was just a terrible, terrible situation. Yeah, this uh, comment you're saying, my blue eyes can't take it if I drive without sunglasses, would anti-glare glasses be better? Sure, yeah, but I would strictly use them for driving. And even then, if there's no glare, I wouldn't use them if you're, you are driving. If you can see clearly, don't use them. You don't need them. And then open up the window. But I'm just wondering, can you also train your eyes um, when, it, when it comes to glare? Because obviously, you know, you know that, 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 that thing, if you walk out of a dark room straight out into the garden, you know, you squint and all that. But I mean, that, there's a type of training that goes in there because after a few minutes, you, your eyes are wide open. Yeah, you know, I'd say that there, there is no adaptation to glare, so to speak, because I think glare in general is damaging to the eye. But mm, if you, mm, okay. um, if we're just talking about light in general, a lot of people say that they have sensitive eyes, but in reality, they have sensitive eyes because they never go outside, they never get sunlight, and they only use sunglasses when they are outside. So it, it's essentially a cast for your eye, and you want to make sure that you progressively get early morning exposure in order to develop that that adaptation and just in general, get used to to uh, full light spectrum. Someone here says, <laughs> I walk around naked because I like to feel like a naked mole rat and become one with mother nature. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you do when you're in your garden. And hopefully you don't have people you can see in from, <laughs> from, from left and right. Yeah, we, we definitely don't suggest that in a, in a park or a populated area. <laughs> <laughs> there, might be a, there might be a visit from the police. It's a great way to get on the offenders list, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, someone says, uh, then there is Tony Glare. Oh, I think that must be a political joke. I don't know who Tony Glare is, the worst kind of glare. Do you know, do you know who Tony Glare is? Yeah, oh, I, I think it's, something. it's Tony Blair. <laughs> oh, okay, is it a Tony Blair 
pun. Okay. Uh, all right. Someone yes says I'm definitely moving out the out to the countryside now. If there's now hunting rabbits on the loose, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, basically what you're saying is what we all in intuitively know, right? Eat healthy, avoid processed foods, get enough sleep, uh, be in the dark at night, uh, spend time outside, go camping, you know, enjoy your family, all the things that are now weirdly under attack. I mean, you know, honestly, like a lot of times I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Um, yeah. I have, so, I battle with people many times on these subjects. And I think if we take a, a first principles approach and actually understand human biology from a basic perspective, a lot of this stuff is inarguable. Um, and mm -hmm. honestly, I think that, you know, a good point is if you look at the blue zones, I know that there was recently a documentary on Netflix about that. If, if you look at the blue zones, almost all of them are at the equator or near the, the equator. So within that documentary, you have people talking about community, food, walking, that's all yeah. great stuff. But nobody focuses on the point that's most important, which is they're, they're near the, the equator. They have a high solar yield. That's, that's a huge part of the discussion. Yeah, uh, we've got very little time, but maybe just one more question quickly. Uh, grounding. Yeah, grounding or earthing, um, extremely powerful. Um, this, this essentially just refers to placing your bare feet on a natural earth surface that is conductive. Um, our bodies are essentially batteries. We have biological semiconductors within ourselves. Bone is a semiconductor. Um, we operate off of piezoelectricity. So that's a little rabbit hole people can Google. It's a very fascinating one. Um, but essentially when you connect your bare feet to, to a natural conductive, conductive earth surface, you're getting a flood of free electrons through your skin. Your sweat glands actually contain a, a, a conductive solution of sodium chloride. And, um, you know, once those free electrons go into the body, they go through a system called the living matrix. This is all stuff on PubMed. The living matrix is a um, is made of ground substance and collagen, and it actually shuttles those free electrons to anywhere within the body that needs them to reduce inflammation, improve recovery, improve energy levels. So um, this stuff is very powerful from a from a basic perspective and and the research has gone on from like the early 1800s so like many mm. things this has actually been out there but people don't know about it um i'm gonna have to bring you back because we've now run out of time so i'll give you 30 seconds promo time yes so you can follow me and my co-host at the 2am podcast on all platforms fun discussions we talk about some health stuff there too um and then zaid k dahaj z-a-i-d-k-d-a-h-h-a-j on instagram and twitter that's where you can find me yeah, and just uh, for the record, the 2AM podcast is an ironic name. It's a very ironic name. We have never recorded an episode at 2AM, but eventually we will. One of these days we'll come around. <laughs> with uh, with red light. With a lot of red light and a lot of uh, mountain mountain spring water, that's for sure. <laughs> Zay Dahaj, thank you, my friend. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. And uh, send me an email, germwarfare at tntradio.live. Remember, you can listen to this show after the fact. You can listen to it and you can watch it. Uh, just go to my page on TNT's website. I think it'll be available in the next uh, 12 to 24 hours, depending on how lazy Alex is. <laughs> All right. On behalf of Joel and Alex, my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. 